to help. I thank all you men that participated in that, that came out to have a good time and enjoy uh, your spouse or your date. And thank uh, Art and his wife, uh, Lisa, who did the vast majority of the planning and preparation on that. And they did a lot of work. But she cooked almost all the food that we enjoyed that night. And so uh, if you see them around, if you don't know them, Art and Lisa Martinez, he goes to PM Base Camp and helps uh, serve there. And anyway, they did a great job. And so I appreciate them. I appreciate all of you that showed up, helped us set up, helped us tear down, and helped us run that event. It was a lot of fun. And uh, I think a lot of couples found that encouraging. So I've been blessed, and I appreciate that. Because people come up to me and say, hey, thanks for doing that. And all I really did was just enjoy a good time, too. So thank you for that. Uh, this morning, first thing I kind of need to do is apologize for my appearance. Um, I kind of got the Kamiana look going on this morning. I realized that. And uh, so I uh, was stationed in Hawaii, got married in Hawaii with my wife 23 years ago. We spent five years there. You guys that know me, you know, I have quite a collection of this. But I don't try to burden you with that too frequently. Uh, this morning, uh, and I probably had this thing for 23 years too. Uh, <coughs> this morning, I get to go see, uh, have breakfast with uh, Dave Pennington and say good, goodbye to him. As you know, he's one of our former uh, long-term elders and a great man, a God that was here serving in the church, he and his wife. Anyway, I get to have a nice breakfast with him. He's going to Hawaii to be a pastor, and so I thought I need to send him off the right way. So we get a Hawaii shirt. So I hope this doesn't become too distracting because I know it's a little bit bright. So uh, what are we doing here today? Like what do we do here at base camp? Not just today, but I guess overall. Like, why are we here? Why do we come to this place? There's a couple of focus points that we have. Try to find some truth, biblical principles that we can apply into our lives, and try to do that in community. Build relationships with one another. So ultimately, we can grow in Christ, and we can be more like him. And don't, wouldn't you know, it's the design that the Bible has for us and in church and in community and with one another. There's so much scripture to back that up. Wouldn't you know that that's what, why Gene Getz wrote his book, The Measure of a Man? He started that Bible study back in the 1970s based on his book. They got together early in the morning to do an hour talking over a chapter at a time. And the principles in there. One of the things he quotes, and this is a previous version than the brand new ones you get on the bookshelf, but one of the things that's in that, the forward, the introduction on this one is that he quotes, we wanted to discover scripture from each other and learn how we could become better husbands, better fathers, better Christians. In short, more mature men of God. So this idea of doing it in community, we're going to come back to that at the end because that's how we're going to find a lot of success in what we're doing with our topic this morning, which is moral purity. 
Hebrew 10, 24 and 25, let us consider how we stimulate one another to love and good deeds, taking our own, but assembling together, as is the habit of some. I kind of said that wrong. Not forsaking, assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. All the more as you see the day drawing near. We all know Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron. So we're here to do that together, walk through this. You know, I'm actually, uh, I loved what Rick, last week Richard, he talked about building a good reputation. The first principle in the book, it's the first one listed in 1 Timothy, it's the first one listed in Titus. And it's talking about building a reputation both within and outside the church. And we know from Acts 16, Timothy enjoyed a good reputation. It says that he was well spoken of by the men in that community. So knowing that we're well spoken of is pretty nice, isn't it? I mean, when we experience that, it feels good. It builds our, uh, we feel respected. We feel appreciated. I don't think I'll forget going back to Hawaii Early in our marriage, I was an early captain. <clears throat> I was playing in the 25th Infantry Division. My wife used to be in the service. She was in the separate intelligence brigade that was over there. And I didn't know any of those officers in that brigade. But I would go over there to functions to be with my wife at a company party or a hell and farewell at the battalion or brigade level. And the guys would come up to me and say, Bob, we've been hearing all about what you've been doing. The field grade officers, the senior officers would come up to me, tell me what I was doing and ask me detailed questions about it. I'm like, how do you guys know about what I'm doing over in the division? Well, because your wife's been telling us. I'm like, I can't tell you how blessed that made me feel that she was actually supporting me behind my back. And it's a real blessing when people talk nicely about you. And I just got to wonder... That's the first thing in the book, and then you go right to the next thing, the next point, which is moral purity. And we have to sort of ask, why are those two, the very first things right up front? I mean, we all know moral purity can take us down fast. We can lose that reputation. Our wives aren't going to talk great about us. Our peers aren't going to be thinking great about us. It, it is something that is on the front lines of our reputation, of building our reputation. And it's something that's core to who we are as human beings, our, our sexuality. So it, this is a, uh, an important and core thing to us. So I w was not, though, that excited about speaking on moral purity or sexual integrity again this morning. I mean, I feel like we've been focusing on that for a year. We've, we've had... Uh, it was covered in Spiritual Disciplines, part of that book. We talked about it again in the marriage series. We did uh, a breakfast where we talked about purity. It comes up, and we advertise it and pass it and run. We've done, uh, Ronnie Smith, we've done uh, at least four, and could be five depending on how you count it, groups on sexual purity just for the men in the last year. We just started a new one. He just started a, uh, a new one last night. Somewhere along the lines of 45 to 50 men have been through that just in the last year. So it's not like we've been avoiding this topic. And so here it is again, and 
I guess it's just another confirmation of why it's important. I mean, just look at what's going on with uh, the judge. You can't even get away from that with Judge Kavanaugh. He's supposed to be innocent until he's proven guilty, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, the sexual purity is such a critical thing to us. I mean, he's just getting pounded in the media just because these ladies have come forward with, with some sketchy details. Now, maybe he's guilty. He might be. Maybe we don't know. We have no idea until we hear more about what's going on. But I guess the point is that this thing is such a delicate and tricky an important topic into our lives. So, you know, but Scripture says, husband of one wife. But he's talking about moral purity. So how do we get there? A more literal translation is a one-man wife. Yeah, that doesn't sound right, does it? <laughs> a one-wife man. Man of one woman. So what does this mean? So you, you can go into commentaries. You can go to the Lifeway bookstore. You can get different books on this stuff. And you'll have a difference of opinion. So we have a, it's kind of a continuum, but it's not really. There's just, because it doesn't really go from left to right, from like real extreme to, it'd it be hard to call it that purely. But we're going to talk about these along the lines of some of the things that the uh, theologians out there look at this. So he could have been talking about polygamy. Not uncommon for a man to have a wife and then for him to go on down to the pagan temple and worship with a prostitute and then come on home and sleep with their servant girl. So perhaps polygamy is something he's talking about there. Husband of one wife, so you can't have two. So you're not having two, maybe you shouldn't be sleeping with three. So another way to look at that as well, if you've been married, some commentators will say basically any kind of remarriage disqualifies you because that makes you a husband of more than one wife. And then you have, okay, well, there's certain circumstances that we know from Scripture that we study and we believe there's some biblical scriptural reasons for divorce. Well, what about that? He had a scriptural reason for divorce or his wife passed away. What choice are we going to say this guy is going to be disqualified from being a... He's talking to Timothy, and he's talking about in the context of elders, and we're applying that to our lives. Are we saying that we can't get remarried and be faithful to the scripture? If we've got a biblical divorce or if our wife passes away, that's a pretty tough position to take. So maybe he's talking about, well, you need to be this. If you're divorced, maybe you have a biblical divorce and you're still free to serve in the church and you're still um, within scriptural principles just as long as you don't get remarried. And that's a position that some people take. Maybe the husband of one wife is just being a faithful husband to one wife in the very most literal sense. Or if you go to the Catholic Church and you want to be a priest, a husband of one wife is a husband of no wife. And some, some hold to that. And then sexual integrity. 
guess you could put um, never getting married up there as another option. But when we look at the whole of the scripture, again, of having a good reputation and the things that are in that list, it seems like he's really talking more about moral purity than some of those other things. Uh, as long as that we are following scripture in our life it's about our relationship with him and living faithfully as we understand the, the scripture but then we have challenges don't we because sexuality is permeated throughout our culture it's everywhere it's all over the place we can't avoid it and it's powerful it affects us it starts affecting our thinking we uh, we see these images in magazines TV, at the movies. I mean, we don't have to, on the Internet, we don't have to pull up the really bad stuff to get these sexualized images in our mind, to get these thoughts going. It doesn't take that much for us as men. That's the way God wired us. And yet, you know, the culture, I mean, sex is a beautiful, wonderful thing. No wonder it's glorified so much. Even among the non-Christians, even in our culture. Because it's a, you know, I mean, when you do it inside of marriage, it's so holy and beautiful and elevated and uplifting and unifying and holy. And it feels good and it's fun. It's a wonderful blessing. So we got that, right. So we can rejoice in that. So what does the world do? They just take that and Satan takes it, turns it around and twists it just enough that it's enticing to Men, because that's what how God wired us to be attracted to our wives. And as he twists, but then when you sit back and think about it, now, why would some college guy, a 20 year old, he's off at college for the first time, he's on his own, he's got a little bit of money, he's going to parties, he's having fun, all these girls are around half dressed. Why would we expect him to be restrained unless he had a biblical or scriptural reason? do so why should we be so surprised that we see a lot of this in our culture and yet we are held to a higher standard i mean look what matthew says we all know this scripture i'm gonna read it anyway but you have heard it said you shall not commit adultery but i say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust in her eyes in his eyes has already committed adultery with her in his heart. That sounds like a higher standard to me than just not committing adultery. So we are called to a higher standard. We are called to, to moral purity. And yet, how about those men, and even the boys, because we know that Starting at a, there's debate about whether it's nine years old or ten or eleven when kids start first getting exposed to pornography these days. You're seeing all these images in your mind. How are you not going to get turned on to that, whether you're a Christian or not? You come up through high school and you see more and more of this in your friends. But say you're a guy that's not a Christian. Maybe you didn't find Christ until after you graduated high school. Maybe you didn't find it till after you finished college and you finished partying. But you have this other lifestyle. Now we're stuck. We're supposed to be called to this higher standard, but how do we get out of it? How do we break this pattern? Now we're stuck into 
kind of, we're not really worshiping the Lord and following after him. We're, we're chasing girls. We're having fun. You can't really necessarily blame us. So now how do we get out of that? Because clearly God's calling us to a higher standard. You know, Satan's doing all he can do to get us together before we get married. And then all that stuff changes when we get married, doesn't it? It's like he's doing it to try to get us separated. He's using the same thing that gets us distracted before marriage as to mess us up in marriage. But it really comes down to what Matthew's talking about or reveals to us here what Jesus says about your heart. God wants our hearts. He knows we're going to be tempted, and that's not the same as sin. But the longer you entertain that temptation, how quickly can it become sin? So we have to find out ways to not let that drag us down when it happens. There's three-second rule to help. You know, it's like, well, I see some beautiful woman. Okay, but I got to count in my mind. I got to come up with some kind of tool to help me not follow her all the way down the street, all the way across the room. Eyes up, shoulders up, something like that. I got to have something that helps me to train myself not to look down and and look at, start dwelling on the wrong things because they're all made in the image of God, just like you and I. Getz lays out some very practical steps to help us with this. And these are applicable for married men as well as for single men. This first bullet talks about communication and finding sexual fulfillment with your wife. We're made different. She might not understand you. She might not realize you think about sex like 20 times a day. She might not realize that all it takes is for some attractive model to walk in front of you for you to get distracted for a second. Because she's not wired like that most of the time. And these are generalities, but what we know about when learning about men and women is they're wired different than we are. So they're not thinking about it like we are. You're more interested in it than she is uh, on, a, on a regular recurring basis. In general, it's not always true for every couple and for every person. And that's okay. It doesn't make you abnormal or weird. It just makes you different because God makes everybody different. But when you wonder when you lay down at night, why isn't your wife automatically thinking about it's time to um, make love? It's because she's thinking about the kids or cleaning the house and all the bills that didn't get paid yet and all that kind of stuff. And it's pretty easy for us to put that away, but maybe not as much for her. So they're wired different than us. So Gets' point is, hey, talk about this stuff. Bring it up. Let her know more about your heart. Be more transparent with her about uh, how you are put together as a man and what you're thinking about. And listen to her and where her heart is as well. Avoid sexually stimulating situations. You know, there's no reason that you got to turn on uh, the 
go to the R-rated movies where half naked, even you know, and see that. If if it's going to cause you to be distracted or stumble or go home and fantasize about it. Um, same thing with regular TV or anything else that you're looking at on the internet. It's just these like, tool, why set yourself up for a fall? It's like some people joke about. You know, Victoria's Secret. Your wife gets Victoria's Secret at home, and that's like the Christian playboy. Like, I want one. It's like you have to guard your heart. You have to guard your eyes and those things that are coming in. Because what comes in usually comes out. Right? Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Think rightly. Bible study, prayer, meditation. Being accountable, being in community with others, coming to one of the purity groups that we're doing, joining up into our mentor program that Greg Wade leads for us, where we line up men one-on-one to encourage and equip each other, challenge each other to be the iron versus iron. You know, because when you think about how God made us for relationships, everything was good in the garden. Everything was good. Everything was good. Everything was good. He made man, and it was very good. But then when you back the story up, when you get halfway down chapter 2, he's, and man is alone, that's the first time we hear God say something's not good. It's not good because for man to be alone. He made us to be in community with one another and with our wives. So if that's how he designed us, doesn't it make sense that for us to change some of these bad patterns, for us to help? be more morally pure, to be sexually, live with sexual integrity, that we can do that better in community with one another, being in accountability with one another, that change happens through our relationships with each other. When somebody calls me up and says, Bob, have you been pure? Have you been clean? Or somebody asks you that. I mean, there's something to that relational aspect that the way God's designed us, that is impactful. And that's why we have these kind of programs. That's why they do the talker series and, and these things are designed because they know that the change happens together in the community. Sometimes people get addicted to it. Sometimes it gets to a point where you can't control it. You're missing work. You're, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing at home. Um, and when it gets to that point, go seek professional help. There's no shame in that. You know, we're not shameful. Sometimes we do sinful things, and we might need to feel guilty about that. But we're made in the image of the Lord with great dignity. You know, so we need to focus on those things that are true, honorable, pure, lovely, because God's interested in our hearts. Here's a few scriptures. Uh, I've referenced some of these. Guard your heart. I love David's prayer in Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord. And the thing is, Romans 6, 7, 8, we know there's a spiritual battle. There's a battle with our flesh. We're not always going to be perfect. But guess what? Scripture tells us God is not going to desert us. He loves us. He loved you before you sinned. He loved you while you're sinning and after you finish sinning. Well, we need to repent and turn back to him. But he he promises us. 
He's not going to fail us. He's not going to forsake us. We need to turn back to him and focus more on our relationship with him and less on the sin. We need to stop striving so hard for moral purity and start striving towards just the face of Jesus, towards having a relationship with him, worshiping in the Lord, focusing deeper on our faith and our relationship with him. And then the purity follows. It takes place. It's It's a byproduct of our relationship with him. And as we do that in community, it only reinforces those feelings of purity. And then the Advertise Conquer series one more time. We're going to be doing sign-ups starting this week. And uh, on Sunday, you'll see advertisements starting, and we'll be talking about it at the retreat. And and then we come back on October 29th. We'll start off a new series with uh, the Conquer series. encourage you to check that out. Email men. Email Conqueror. And get information if you want, and if you need to talk to somebody, you can always talk to uh, any of the pastors. So just encourage you to consider that if it's an area that uh, you're challenged with. Some uh, good discussion questions this morning. Some of them, uh, you know, are challenging. And be as transparent as you want to be or don't want to be, but certainly take it home and consider it for your heart. Thank you for your time. I'm sorry it was kind of a down, you know, this whole thing, this this whole book, every time we come in here, it can be like we're getting beat up because we're getting measured according to this title. He's calling us into holy behavior and right living. But the thing is, there's so much grace and freedom in Christ. And so it's not a downer when you know that. We just do what we the best we could do faithfully doing the best we can do and that's what God's asking and we love him with our hearts and then let the rest flow from there so thank you for your time have a great uh what is today Tuesday let me pray real quick first Lord thank you for our time this morning and we give our hearts to you ask you to help us to be more of you and to be under